Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Beneath the church in Rome are small chapels adorned with the skeletal remains of 3,700 Capuchin friars. Skulls, femurs, you name it. Really, it's all on display, from doorways and walls to ceiling art. Visitors come face-to-face with the dead. You can even buy postcards to send to friends back home if you're so inclined. That's not the darkest church attraction, though. There's one other. Visit the Basilica San Giovanni, and you'll learn about a particularly dark and corrupt moment in the church's past. You see, bishops, cardinals, and a host of other ecclesiastical attendees— filled the basilica in January of 897 for a synod, basically a court of the church, to try one of their own. Formosus, dressed in papal robes, was unable to speak at his trial, so a deacon spoke for him. Seated in his chair, Formosus didn't move, not even during the earthquake that shook and damaged the basilica. He showed no emotion as Pope Stephen VI screamed at him, demanding answers. A deacon, reading from a script, replied for him, Found guilty of all counts against him, Formosus was not only stripped of his robes and his time as Pope declared void, but the three fingers on his right hand that he had used during blessings were chopped off. His crimes? Ruling more than one place at a time, and for publicly seeking the papacy. Achieving the papacy illegally and immorally, and despite not being able to speak, the act of perjury. The trial wasn't Formosus' first run-in with the papal courts, either. Back in the late 800s, with the empire crumbling all around them, small factions had cropped up in the land, forcing political conflicts within the church. All of a sudden, men who had their sights set on becoming pope now needed the backing of secular leaders. Often, a new pope emerged every year at that point in history. Formosus, who was then a bishop, had been successful in converting Bulgarians to Roman Catholicism. The Bulgarians even requested him as their own bishop. His success didn't go unnoticed, though, and with the competition to gain power, it also made him some enemies in the papal court, namely Pope John VIII. Pope John levied a string of accusations against Formosus, claiming that he had brainwashed the Bulgarians into refusing any other bishop and attempting to take over the papacy for himself. Formosus asked for forgiveness. Perhaps Pope John thought the bishop's rise was too close to comfort, or maybe he was a bit paranoid in turbulent times so he excommunicated Formosus. Pope John was later murdered by his own people, so perhaps his paranoia was founded. When the poison failed to work quickly enough, the killer used something more immediately. A hammer. Pope John's successor reinstated Formosus as a bishop, and a year later, Pope Adrian wore the papal robes before his assassination in his first year as the pope. 
Pope Stephen V wore the papal robe next, but was soon unseated by Formosus, who remained pope for five years until he suffered a stroke. Formosus's successor ruled for 15 days before dying of gout. Or maybe it was poison. It's hard to say at this point. Pope Stephen VI was next. Formosa had made Stephen VI a bishop years earlier, and Pope Stephen still held the post while he served as pope. Yes, there was a rule against that. And yes, Pope Stephen VI knew it. His solution? Put Formosus on trial for the same crime. If Formosus was found guilty, then no one would see that Pope Stephen was just as guilty. By Pope Stephen's reasoning, a guilty verdict would also make Formosus post as bishop, while also Pope null and void, therefore doing the same. Look, it made sense to him, but there was a problem with his plan. You see, Pope Formosus' stroke had been fatal. Maybe it was due to old age. He was 80, after all. Or maybe poison had caused the stroke. Regardless, he had been dead for several months before Pope Stephen VI had his corpse exhumed to stand trial. Not only did this trial serve to cover Pope Stephen's own guilt of papal lawbreaking, it stopped Formosus from being named a saint. After the Cadaver Synod, as it became known, Pope Stephen ordered Formosus' remains to be buried at an obscure location, but then quickly changed his mind, this time ordering it tossed into the Tiber River. The next day, monks recovered the body and buried Formosus in a monastery. Having had enough of Pope Stephen's cadaver trial and exhumations, the people imprisoned him, and he was later found strangled in his cell. Eventually, and a couple of popes later, Formosus' body was recovered once more and buried in his final resting place in St. Peter's Cathedral. Curious? You better believe it. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. 
Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. His love for her had no end. For her coronation, only the finest jewels and robes would do. Once seated on the throne next to him, King Pedro I's subjects knelt before her, kissed her hand, and pledged their loyalty and obedience. With the ceremony behind them, the king and queen traveled to a beautiful monastery. There, the queen was placed into an intricately carved and inscribed marble tomb, the finest in all of Portugal. You see, Inez de Castro had been dead for two years. In fact, she'd been murdered by order of King Pedro's own father, his predecessor, King Alfonso. But that didn't mean the good people of Portugal had kissed a corpse's hand out of love or loyalty. No, they'd done so most likely because of King Pedro's nickname, Pedro the Cruel, and you'll soon understand why. It all started in the year 1328. As part of an arranged marriage between kingdoms, Prince Pedro met and wed Constanza of Castile, declaring her the suitable. Suitable, that was, until he met Constanza's teenaged handmaiden. Inez was the beautiful, illegitimate daughter of Lord de Castro, and she responded to Pedro's attention, which began their not-so-secret love affair. Prince Pedro became so infatuated with her that he neglected his wife, so much and so blatantly that it threatened the already strained relations with the queen's home kingdom, Castile. In an attempt to end her husband's affair, the queen made Inez the godmother of the couple's firstborn child. You see, in the eyes of the Catholic Church, godparents were family, and that would have made their affair incestuous. Undaunted, Pedro and Inez still refused to break it off. Then, a few years later, his wife died while giving birth to their third child, Ferdinand. With his wife and queen newly deceased, Pedro felt comfortable bringing the relationship with Inez public. But his father, King Alfonso IV, forbid his son to marry her, and then banished her from the kingdom. Inez, being of illegitimate birth, was not eligible to become queen. Banishment didn't stop the two lovebirds, though. Instead, Pedro moved in with his beloved mistress. They even had children together, one of which was a healthy son. Meanwhile, Pedro's son from his dead wife, Ferdinand, had become frail. Soon after, Pedro announced that he had secretly wed Inez, possibly making their son heir to the throne should Ferdinand die. This, along with Inez's brother's growing influence over Prince Pedro, prompted King Alfonso to dispatch three men to kill her. The men did as the king asked, and beheaded her. Needless to say, relations between the father and son were a bit strained after that. Pedro's mother begged her son for peace, and Pedro eventually promised he would not take revenge. It was a promise Pedro wouldn't keep, though. King Alfonso died a year later, and Pedro became king, soon earning the nickname Pedro the Cruel due to his direct involvement in, shall we say, serving justice, both personally and publicly. 
Eventually, he tracked down two of Inez's assassins, capturing them and bringing them back to the kingdom. Then, he had them put on trial and found guilty of murder. In one of his public displays of justice, King Pedro ripped their hearts from their chests, claiming that the killers were heartless for crushing his. After the trial and his special blend of justice, King Pedro ordered Inez's body exhumed and then held the coronation where he demanded attendees pay her the respect in death that he felt she deserved in life. But here's the thing. Despite the posthumous coronation, Inez was never a legal queen. Pedro had lied to his father about secretly marrying her, and evidence suggests that Pope Innocent IV had refused to marry Pedro and Inez or legitimize their children. In the end, it had been this lie that got Pedro's mistress killed. King Pedro the Cruel died in 1367. He was interred in a second elaborate tomb near Inez. On the sides, detailed carvings depicted the couple's lives, and when their tombs were placed together, the marble likenesses of Pedro and Inez faced one another so that they looked upon each other, as the inscription reads, until the end of the world. And as far as I can tell, no one has tried to separate them ever again. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.